0: Lifespring 82. Hi. Good show today. I'm glad you're here. Let's go. Hello there, this is Steve Webb, and this is Life Spring number eighty-two. Wow, these numbers are getting pretty high, aren't they? <laughs> Welcome! Hey, if you're uh, here for the first time because you heard about the show on the uh, Charlie, welcome! Glad you're here. Hope you stick around for a while. This is going to be a good, good show today. It's almost Easter, so you know what that means, right? It means that all the uh, the uh, skeptics are coming out of the woodwork. Oh, he didn't really... He wasn't really dead. He wasn't really resurrected. It's all a legend. It's all a, It's a cover-up. It's a conspiracy. The church is hiding vital facts. Well, <laughs> you probably know what I think about that. Well, we're going to talk about a little a little bit of that today. But before we do, I'm going to start with a real fun song. This is one that I think. Um, hey, goy. this is <laughs> not you. Just the music. This is one that I think is a lot of fun. I think Jesus would enjoy it. This is called. Jesus lives on the beach. Enjoy.
1: Looking within me, perfect blue, the color of the sea. The color of the sea. Doing his fishing from his front lawn on the edge jungle backyard. He doesn't tell us what to be, just remember the dreams are free. Yeah 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 yeah. The dog with no smile, been on the beach for a long while. Scorching sand, Charles' feet lacking tail. Under the heat, yeah, he's under the heat. Empty belly, looking for lunch. Satisfied with banana, say, bunch. Hollow rock, far from above, a coconut fetch. He does love Yeah, 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 yeah He does love Looking up at the sky Stars shooting by Making me feel high Jesus lives on the beach Yeah, yeah, yeah On the beach, waves kissing ankles to the beat. white eyes looking into the sea. Perfect blue, the color of me. Yeah, the color of. Fishing from his front lawn, on the edge, jungle backyard, he only mutters, just one thing, just remember, the dreams are free, yeah, 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 the dreams are free, looking up at the sky. on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Looking up at the sky, start shooting by, making me feel high. Jesus lives on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah!
0: You don't think that's fun. You must be dead. <laughs> I like that one a lot. All right. Well, here we go. I've got several announcements to make before we get started. And I uh, apologize for the uh, the sound level. At the beginning of the show, I think I may have had uh, my volume turned up too much and may have had some distortion there. Sorry about that. Uh, but I don't want to go back and start it over again because uh, I think it did a good job. So here we go. <laughs> some announcements. Let's go forward. First off, we've got uh, Podcast Alley. This is the first Lifespring podcast of the month, and so you know what that means. This is my monthly reminder. Um, I'd like to ask you to stop on by the Lifespring show notes page, Lifespringpodcast.com. On the right-hand side, you will see a button that says Vote Podcast Alley. Go on over there, click that. And a little box will open up for you to enter your um, email address. Please do that. And if you have a comment that you want to make about the show, that'd be good, too. And uh, then send it. What they're going to do is send a confirming email to the email address that you entered into that first box. Uh, please remember to go there and click on the link that they send you in that email. And uh, then your vote will count. And I appreciate it. Boy, uh, this this evening, as I looked at uh, the website uh, at Podcast Alley, uh, we're up at, uh, I think, like number 10 in the religious area. We're in the top 100 over there at Podcast Alley, which is... Um, Which is, uh, go away, not not time, not time, not time. I'm pushing the wrong buttons here. Sorry about that. How unprofessional. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, um, we're in the top 100 at Podcast Alley right now at last glance, which is not too bad since there's something like, I don't know, 20,000 or so podcasts at Podcast Alley. So thank you for that. Uh, But please don't let that dissuade you if you have not yet voted this month. I need every single vote because by the end of the month, you know, everybody else has voted for all the other podcasts as well. You say, Steve, what an ego trip you must be on if you need those votes. No, 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 my friend. It's not that at all. It's that people are are uh, looking for good podcasts all the time. There's new people coming into the podcasting universe and they're looking for good shows to see, to see, to hear, to participate in. And uh, so for me, it's important that uh, we're as high on that list as possible so that uh, people can find us easier. Make sense? All right. This is, as I'm recording this, about two weeks before Easter. This is a good time to remind you about a great website called whyeaster.com. And it's a website about Well, let me see. What do you think? Uh, Why Easter? (laughs) A lot of good things there on that website. And the website is put together by a a real good friend, James Cooper, who lives in Minehead, England. So I would encourage you to check that out, whyeaster.com. Speaking of websites, I just want to remind you that there is a brand new LifeSpring Podcast forum. Where at? You can get to it from all of the LifeSpring Podcast family show websites. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Well, as long as we're talking about that, there are several podcasts in the LifeSpring family of podcasts now. There, of course, is the one you're listening to now. This is the original. Uh, Then there is In Touch With God's Character. There's LifeSpring Weekend Music Show. There's LifeSpring Sunday. And there's going to be another one. Shh, don't tell anybody. There's another one starting up soon. Yeah, there's another one starting up soon. I'm not going to tell you anything more than that, but be looking for it. Very soon I am going to be splitting the feeds up for each one of the shows. Right now there's only two feeds. There's the feed that has the original, the In Touch, and the music show. And there's a separate feed for the Sunday show because that's sermons. And soon they'll all be split up. Which reminds me that very, very soon and Possibly by the time you check the LifeSpring Podcast show notes page, there will be a brand new splash page. When you go to LifeSpringPodcast.com, there'll be a new splash page. And uh, I think it looks pretty nice. I hope you do too. Go. 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 Aye, GoDaddy's the source for domain names, you know, web hosting, and some fantastic tools for maximizing your internet presence, me bucko. Steve Webb has been a customer of GoDaddy for years, he has, and he's not made them walk the plank yet. And here be some good advice to ye: Use one of the LifeSpring discount codes when you buy from GoDaddy. For instance, when you buy more than 30 doubloons, ah, uh, dollars, for GoDaddy's services, enter code LS2 and save five dollars. For all the codes, sail on by their show notes website at LifespringPodcast.com. Steve will be thanking you for the support.
1: In every child is a story, a song, a voice. I want to find my voice. I have something to say. I have something important to say. Podcast for Good was begun on the premise that within each child lies something special, just waiting for the perfect medium through which it can be released. I have a story to tell. Won't you listen to me? I have good ideas. My voice has value. Visit podcastforgood.org. Listen to me. Inspire me. Teach me. Lead me. I am your future. I am your future. Teach me.
0: This is all about teaching children to podcast, helping children to be creative, and uh, encouraging them in that effort. And I think it is a great, great thing. You can check out podcastforgood.org and podcastforgood.com and uh, learn more about it. I really, really encourage you to do that. And now we're going to talk about the resurrection. This is something that um, I have made a practice to do. This is the second year. Wow. This is the second Easter since podcasting started. And this is something that I'm going to make a habit of doing every year, I think, is talking about the resurrection. Well, why would I do that? Well, it's because the resurrection is the most important event in Christendom, in Christianity. Without the resurrection, there is no... Christianity. And so what I'm going to do to begin with is read a few scriptures to you. that kind of give a background. And I have to tell you that I'm a little bit worked up today, um, simply because last night on the television, there was a show that, uh, <laughs> never ceases to amaze me how the skeptics come out and try to debunk the resurrection. And, um, every year it's some of these skeptics are taken very seriously Uh, First, there was, well, not first, but, you know, last year around this time, there was, uh, oh, what was that book that was making the rounds? Um, You have to forgive me. I can't remember the name of it right now. That's how, oh, uh, The Da Vinci Code. It's fiction. It's been well proven. Uh, It's a a novel is what it is, but some people really take it uh, seriously. And this year, there's a new book called uh, the Jesus Papers, and I'm going to be responding to that as I talk about these things. But please understand from the very start, there's nothing new in the Jesus Papers, nothing. Let me read to you from the New Testament. First, I'm going to be reading from the book of John, and then I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew. So let's get started. After all this, Joseph of Arimathea, he was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he was intimidated by the Jews, petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so Joseph came and took the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. They took Jesus' body and following the Jewish burial custom, wrapped it in linen with the spices. There was a garden near the place He was crucified, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been placed. So, because it was Sabbath preparation for the Jews and the tomb was convenient, they placed Jesus in it. Now I'm going to the book of Matthew, 28th chapter. After the Sabbath, as the first light of the new week dawned, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly, the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven, came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garments shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. The angel spoke to the women. There's nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here. He was raised, just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was placed. Now get on your way quickly and tell his disciples, He's risen from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. The women, deep in wonder and full of joy, lost no time in leaving the tomb. They ran to tell the disciples. Then Jesus met them, stopping them in their tracks. Good morning, he said. They fell to their knees, embraced his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus said, You're holding on to me for dear life. Don't be frightened like that. Go, tell my brothers that they are to go to Galilee, and that I'll meet him there. Meanwhile, the guards had scattered, but a few of them went into the city and told the high priests everything that had happened. They called a meeting of the religious leaders and came up with a plan. They took a large sum of money and gave it to the soldiers, bribing them to say, His disciples came in the night and stole the body while we were sleeping. They assured them, If the governor hears about your sleeping on duty, we will make sure you don't get blamed. The soldiers took the bribe and did as they were told. That story, cooked up in the Jewish high council, is still going around. Okay, that was that was still the Bible there. That was still in the New Testament. And just as it says, that story cooked up in the Jewish high council is still going around. Yes, it is still going around. Well, I've got some notes here that I'm going to go over. And uh, I'm going to go quickly tonight. Um, there's a lot to cover here. And so I'm not going to spend a tremendous amount of time on each point. I'm going to go through a lot of different points. I'm going to go through them quickly. That's the beauty of podcasting. You can rewind it and listen to it again. It's not like radio where it's like, what what did he say? Oh, I missed it. You won't miss it. You'll have it on your hard drive. So here we go. One of the things that the skeptics say about the resurrection is that they're not going to believe it until they see irrefutable proof. Well, listen, that's illogical, and it's not reasonable. We have all witnessed in recent times juries that when presented wonderful proof come back with a, nah, not guilty. You say, how can that be? Well, for the people that that honestly look at the evidence that, that has been recorded over time by the eyewitnesses, of the events that happened those 2,000 years ago, you, you wonder how people can say, no, I don't believe it. Well, it's the same kind of mentality. Um, people often come into a discussion of the resurrection with a preconceived idea as to what is true. They don't take a, an, an honest look at the facts, at the evidence, at the eyewitness accounts. So it's really not reasonable to say there has to be irrefutable proof. Juries are told, look at the facts. Reach your verdict based on a reasonable doubt. Juries are not told that they're supposed to have a, uh, 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 find something um, beyond a shadow of a doubt. They're told a reasonable doubt. Is that clear? I kind of messed that up a little bit, but I think you get my idea. Look, we can't even prove irrefutably that George Washington lived or Abraham Lincoln or Napoleon. If I have it in my mind that he never lived, you cannot convince me that he did. You can show me lots of evidence, but if I have it in my head that I don't believe it, you cannot prove irrefutably that he lived. There are some that claim that there is no external evidence That supports the Bible accounts. That's not true. There is at least one history book that was written during the time of Jesus that points to the fact that he lived, that he was called by his believers the Messiah, that he was crucified, and that his tomb was found empty. That historian was called Josephus, and his book is called The Works of Josephus, and you're welcome to go buy a copy even today. So, we have eyewitness accounts, we have historical documents besides the Bible. So, there is evidence. Let's look at some things. First of all, the resurrection is the most attacked and critical part of Christianity. Listen, we are in a spiritual war. This is not just um, human disputes. But we are in a spiritual battle. God is on one hand. And the fallen angel that is known by the, the name of Satan or Lucifer, many other names, He's on the other side. And he, by the way, is nowhere equal to God. He is a creation. God is the creator. Satan is a creation. Satan does not have any of the same characteristics that God has. Satan is not omnipresent. In other words, he's not everywhere at one time. Satan can only be in one place at one time. Satan is not omniscient. He does not know everything. Satan is not not omnipotent. He does not have all power. Satan is none of the things that God is. Satan is a pretender to the throne. He wants to take over. But he's already lost. And he lost on that resurrection day. But in the meantime, he wants to keep as many people as possible from believing. Why? Because he knows that God loves you. The only way that he can hurt God, and that's in quotes, is to keep You, from believing in Jesus Christ because he knows that that will hurt the heart of God. God does not send anyone to hell. It's a choice that each person makes. God created hell for Satan, not for you. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life on earth. And then to be crucified in your place. To be resurrected so that he could be your Messiah, your Savior. That's all free. That's side information. What I was saying is that the resurrection is the most attacked and critical part of Christianity. If he can make you believe that the resurrection never happened, then you are not going to be a believer in Christ. So if people can knock the legs out of the resurrection, then Christianity is dead. As a matter of fact, Paul, the apostle states that if the resurrection is is not a fact, then we are false witnesses before God. He sums it up like this. He says in first Corinthians 15, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Yes, if Jesus was not resurrected, then he wasn't God. If he isn't God, then our sins are not paid for. So, Let's look at the critics. There are many theories, but there are two that remotely sound reasonable. Number one is what is known as the swoon theory. It was uh, discussed at length in a book in 1965, which became very, very popular, and it was called The Passover Plot. And now the most recent one is the Jesus Papers. And according to the... I haven't read it, by the way, but I just, I just learned about it last night on television. Um, I did some investigating online today as I was putting this together, and I found that uh, um, the, this is basically just the same old, same old. In the Jesus Papers, one of the claims that the author makes is that Jesus was given a drug while he was on the cross that made him um, pass out made him appear to be dead. So that's just the latest variant of the swoon theory, which has been around for a very long time. Um, There was supposedly a conspiracy to drug Jesus so that he would appear dead, and then they, they would revive him later to present him as being alive. Now, somehow these conspirators manipulated the religious authorities of the time, known as the Sanhedrin, to convict him. They convinced the Jews to riot and they somehow manipulated the, manipulated the Romans to crucify him. Now supposedly after he passed out he was taken down from the cross, taken to a nice cool tomb where he then somehow unwrapped himself, pushed a massive boulder without the guards noticing, He sneaked away and walked seven miles to Emmaus. Now, listen. Everyone knows that Jesus was beaten horribly before he was even crucified. He lost a tremendous amount of blood before he was ever put on the cross. If you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, you saw um, a version of the beating. Now, while that actor appeared to be very badly beaten and his makeup was very, very good, what you saw was not nearly as bad as the reality. Scripture says that he was beaten so badly that you couldn't even tell who he was. You could not even tell that he was a man. After a beating like that, after losing all that blood and then after hanging on a cross for hours and then, by the way, being stabbed in the side, being stabbed in the heart to where water and blood came out of the wound, which, by the way, did prove that he was dead. But leaving that little detail aside, how in the world would he have Revived himself and somehow moved the stone. By the way, um, I think I read to you that there were 75 pounds of spices that were wrapped in the clothing, the grave clothes that he was put in. I don't see much credibility to this theory. But let's continue. Somehow he hid his wounds, and though most if not all of his blood poured out, the half-dead Christ fooled others into thinking that he defeated death. Remember, he was seen on the third day in the garden. And he was walking and talking. And Mary and Mary both believed who he was. Most people can't even walk on a stubbed toe, but Jesus somehow walked seven miles on pierced feet, and he broke bread with wounded wrists, and no one noticed. I think it was a miracle. Here's another uh, another theory. This is called the stolen body theory. The first thing you have to ask is who stole the body. The Roman soldiers, now why would the Roman soldiers steal the body? They had been tasked to um, protect the tomb and not let anyone in so that the disciples couldn't steal the body, so that the disciples would not therefore go around saying, everybody, Jesus has arisen. Why would the Romans steal it? The Jews, why would the Jews steal him? That's the, that would be the last thing they wanted. Matter of fact, that was part of the conspiracy that they made with the Romans, that they didn't want the body to be stolen, and therefore that's why they you know, had the guards posted. The Jews and the Romans got together and said, look, we'll say that the disciples stole the body. I'm going to be talking about the disciples in just a few minutes. But listen, one historian put it this way, history's silence is deafening concerning the body of Christ. Not one person ever claimed to have seen the body after the resurrection. Did you hear that? Not one person has ever claimed to have seen the body after the resurrection. That's important. Now, about the disciples. They scattered like cowards and even ran from a servant girl and Peter denied him three times before the resurrection. Okay? They were complete cowards before the resurrection now suddenly we're supposed to believe that they grew bold enough to sneak through the Roman guards to break a government seal that they were uh, strong enough and brave enough to move the stone without anyone hearing and then neatly fold the garments in the dark knowing that it would be certain death if they were caught does that make any sense of course not So, what we're left with is the possibility that perhaps the resurrection actually happened. Well, let's start with some evidence. Let's start with the disciples. They were scattered after the crucifixion and they were too afraid to testify for Jesus. They were too afraid to be associated with Jesus and too afraid to help bury Jesus. There was no one left at the, resurre- at the at the crucifixion. They had all scattered. Do you know who was at his feet at the crucifixion? Mary, the other Mary. He had Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and John, the one who was called the disciple that Jesus loved. None of the other disciples were there. Now, after the resurrection, these cowardly men returned to Jerusalem where all of the hostile critics and those who killed Jesus were and boldly proclaimed his resurrection knowing that they would be persecuted. This, that's what they did. That's what scripture records. Now remember the crowds that were there, the soldiers that were there, the council that was there, at the the crucifixion were all still in town when the disciples came back into Jerusalem and began to proclaim his resurrection. Not only did they preach the resurrection, but they also confronted the crowds and the council to repent for their sin. They went to the same people and they said, you people were wrong. You people murdered an innocent man. Now, if the disciples wanted to create a legend or create a new religion or a new cult, wouldn't they have gone back right in the middle of the, the, the snake's pit? <laughs> no. You go to a distant land or you propagate a story decades later. You don't go there where the witnesses are. But that's what they did. Because they knew that it was real. They knew that it had happened. The disciples went there while the iron was still hot and they proclaimed the resurrection to those who they knew would examine the facts. You don't do that unless you know that you know that you know. There were many, many eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, Paul says, After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, Paul, also. Now Paul presented this claim to those that would question him. And he was inviting them to examine the witnesses. Listen, my friend, people will die for what they believe, but all these men could not have willingly died in what they knew would be a lie or knew was a lie. Listen to what happened to all the disciples. Matthew was killed in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets until he was dead. Peter and Simeon were crucified. Andrew was crucified James was beheaded Philip was crucified Bartholomew was flayed alive Thomas was pierced with lances James the less was thrown from the temple and stoned to death Jude was shot to death with arrows Paul was boiled in hot oil and beheaded these men lost everything and by the world's standards should have been in misery But they rejoiced and they lived with peace that baffled and converted many of their persecutors. They were beaten, tortured, imprisoned. For what? Why would they do that if they knew that it was a lie? Here's why. Because the joy that was within them and the hope that was put before them for the kingdom of heaven. They knew that Jesus was resurrected. They knew that Jesus was who he said he was. They knew that Jesus is God. And he told them before he left, if I go now to heaven, I will return for you. If they had stolen the body of Jesus in hopes of becoming religious elitists, they would have quit their quest to found a religion around him when the illusions of grandeur proved to be a failure. They could face death because the resurrection they witnessed through Christ proved that heaven was real and the life to come was more valuable than the life they were abandoning. Now the final witness is the four Gospels. Three of these are eyewitness accounts that are written independently. If they were identical, they would be questionable. People say, well, the the Gospel accounts contradict... Each other. No, they don't. They're different perspectives of the same event. You remember when you were in school? If someone copied someone else's paper and they both turned in the same paper, the teacher knew <laughs> that there was something wrong. They knew that one of them copied because they had identical papers. The Gospels aren't the same because they're different people that wrote them. They're not contradictory. They're different points of view. Now critics argue that the differences prove that they're in error and that the early church doctored them to fit their doctrines. Does that make sense? No. If they were identical, they would have been accused of conspiring. If they're different, they're accused of being in error. If the latter uh, church altered the documents, why didn't they remove the differences? Now Luke is the most important the most important witness. Luke did not know of the other gospels and he wanted to provide Theophilus with an account of what the, the church was teaching of Jesus. The fact that Luke agrees and is in perfect harmony with the eyewitness gospels. Proved that sensationalism did not occur even when the Gospels were passed down through the church. Now, even without the Bible, we can prove through historical evidence that Jesus was, was a Jewish teacher. It can be proved that many people credited Jesus with healing and exorcisms, that people believed that he was the Messiah. That he was rejected by the Jewish leaders. That he was crucified under Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. That after his shameful death, and it was shameful because dying on a cross was the way that the Romans um, executed criminals. It's like being sent to the gas chamber today. Anyway, after this shameful death, his followers believed he was still alive, and this faith spread to the multitudes throughout Rome by A.D. 64. The Christian faith was held dear by all manner of people, women, men, slave free, rich poor, and those who converted worshipped Jesus as God. There are also tens of thousands of archaeological discoveries that validate the scriptures and silence criticism. Listen, there are over 20,000 examples of the um, scriptures that survive to this day. Many, many more than any other ancient writing. All of these um, work together and agree together that Jesus was indeed who he claimed to be and that only he has the right to forgive sins. Only he has conquered death and has the power to give life. When he was on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was fully God, but he was fully human and he felt the pain of his humanity. Yes, he was God. But yes, he was human. He suffered on that cross. Why did God forsake him? Because all of our sins were placed on him. And God, a holy God, a God that is without sin, a God that can't look upon sin, could no longer look at his son. The same son that when he was um, baptized, looked down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now, while Jesus hung on the cross with my sins on him, the Father had to turn his face, couldn't look upon him. And Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The burden of your guilt is painful. But to bear the shame, the guilt, and the punishment for the sins of someone else is far worse. And then at the end, Jesus said, It is finished. What he meant by that was, My debt and your debt was paid in full. Do you want to exchange your guilt for the righteousness of God? You can. It's not a hard thing to do. All you need to do is admit your guilt before God. You say, Steve, I'm not guilty of anything. I never killed anybody. I never robbed a bank. I never raped anybody. Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only way to earn your own salvation is to be completely free of sin. The Bible says that if any man says that he's not sinned he fools himself in your heart of hearts you know you've sinned now maybe you're listening to this and you say well as a matter of fact I know I've sinned and to make it worse I don't think there's any way that God can forgive somebody as bad as me Steve I don't you have no idea how bad my life has been. You have no idea what I've done, Steve. There's no way that God could forgive me. My friend, that's not true either. When Jesus was hanging on a cross, there were criminals on either side of him. One of them said, We deserve to be here. This man doesn't. We deserve to be here. And he said, Jesus, when you find yourself in paradise today, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. My friend, there's nothing that you have done that God cannot forgive. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sins. So all you need to do is accept that gift that he offers, that gift of eternal life. Don't turn it away. You can never earn it. It's a gift. Just accept it. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to be your Savior. And that's all it takes. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Believe and you'll have eternal life. It's true. That's what Easter is about. That's what the resurrection is about. It's a wonderful gift. And it's one that can be yours today. Even Stewart with nails and thorns. Yeah, if I'd have been the only one, he would have done it. But there's more. There's me. There's you. Many, many others. God loves you. He paid the ultimate price. All right, now, here's a little fun fact for you. Check this out. On Wednesday of next week, Two minutes and three seconds after one o'clock in the morning. The time and the date will be, are you ready for this? 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06. <laughs> Pretty amazing. All right. Well, remember that show notes are at Podcast.com. Go check them out. Don't forget the brand new forum. Go on over there and start a conversation. And so far, I think the motorcycle conversation is still the number one conversation. Who would have guessed it? Remember, you can write to me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com, or you can call me on the comment line at 206-350-CALL. Music today was Roadside Zoo and Stephen Stewart, both available from the pod Safe. Music Network at Music.PodShow.com Check out all the music links and the scripture references at LifeSpringPodcast.com Remember Jesus said Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life You See it doesn't matter where you're at It doesn't matter what you've done It doesn't matter your age your sex or your station in life Jesus said who do you say that I am? Lifespring is, of course, about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life this very day. I'm Steve Webb and I'm your host, and I will see you next time. This has been an InTouch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight.